Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. Although today it is the podcast of champions as we delve into the Undercity and tour Piltover. Have I got that right? Yeah. I've only watched nine episodes about it. It's Arcane League of Legends, uh, commonly known as LOL, which is uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, um, (laughs) I had another little joke uh, prepped because I think in the last episode we talked about how Netflix TV shows have a lot of dragons on the cards right now and of course this show begins with a song with Imagine Dragons so I thought oh you just imagine dragons in this show there's no actual dragons just the ones in your brain well I um I did some research and there's totally dragons in the game so (laughs) spoilers for season two i guess anyway (laughs) we're doing arcane because it's getting a lot of good buzz have you have you heard about the buzz (laughs) have you heard the good news of arcane (laughs) uh it wasn't necessarily a show i was greatly anticipating i remember seeing a kind of clip in a netflix geeked I think, general preview where they're talking about upcoming shows. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Got a cool visual style. All the content slurrying into your screen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then it came out and um, it was released in a sort of three episodes per week um, structure. So there's nine episodes and it was released in, in a way kind of like three acts each week. But it seemed to be on the top of the Netflix page quite a bit. And it, it turns out that it was number one in over 50 countries um, in terms of, obviously, Netflix. I mean, they released their own figures and, and stuff. So, you know, pinch of salt with everything. But it, it, it does seem like it was topping a lot of the streaming categories. And I thought, oh, that's interesting that a sort of animation based on a video game would be that popular and would be... Uh, incredibly widely watched but then when you look into what League of Legends is and Mm. we must preface this by us being complete and almost total noobs when it comes to the world of League of Legends it's one of these things we're about to say have you heard have you heard of this company called Disney (laughs) (laughs) it's the biggest thing going in 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 gaming really isn't it it's one of those things where it is immensely popular and yet very easy to completely ignore um, because it sort of feels, at least when you kind of look at it, like, I don't get what's going on. I don't really understand what this is. And yet it's one of the most watched and one of the world's largest esports going around. So to break down what League of Legends is, 
It's a multiplayer online battle arena, uh, MOBA for short, and it's a free-to-play game, and it's existed since 2009, created by Riot Games, who developed it while taking inspiration from a custom map for Warcraft 3, which makes it kind of like the Fifty Shades of Grey of (laughs) multiplayer esports. but the idea is that Just it's to too... clarify because Fifty Shades of Grey came from Twilight. It's not like Red Room the game. <laughs> yeah, it was Twilight fanfic, which became its own thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the, essentially the game it's two teams of five players. It's a player versus player combat game, and each player controls a champion of which there are now over 150 or so to choose from. And some of those champions are featured in the Arcane TV show. And each of them have different skills, and you know you pick your favorite player and you can kick them out with different skins and stats, and it's where all the money is made, I think, through these purchases of skins and purchases of like loot boxes and all that kind of palaver. Um, but clearly lucrative because it brings in you know over a billion dollars a year um i was seeing how i think the maximum you can spend on a purchase is 25 pounds and and you know but i think the cheapest is only a few pounds and then if it's the most popular game ever and loads of people buying it and all the stuff is like free to produce effectively yeah it's a it's a i should have thought of this (laughs) (laughs) um but in the game the different teams of players, they have to destroy the enemy base and they take down these towers en route. And there's obviously a lot more to that. But essentially, the game itself is very light on plot. Like, the characters themselves have personality and backstory. Um, but if you were just viewing the game or playing the game, you would very likely really only get a sort of glimpse of backstory you might get some names of things and places and and that kind of stuff but most of the backstory is filled out um in sort of ancillary material and i think there's been a lot of retconning since the game was created and a lot of changing of backstory and characters but essentially it's all set on this planet called rune terror and in the show the focus is on these two areas these two cities uh, which coexist with each other there is the piltover the advanced shiny city on top side and there is zorn the undercity the kind of where all the less fortunate souls um are left to exist in slums slums and and squalor basically i think just a question though is it's called the Undercity, so I assumed it was un- literally underneath Piltover. But then there's a lot of business regarding a bridge. And so is actually, is, am I right in thinking that the Undercity is across a bridge rather than literally underground? I think it's sort of like outskirts. And mm. yeah, because like there is a bit when they are kind of like looking across to Piltover. Yes. From the city so i think it's sort of it seems like it's around the kind of like sewers and outskirts and mm-hmm. yeah as you say the sort of oh, slums i mean 
saying up front, we we don't often do a TV show. Last time we did something like this, it was Castlevania. And mm. I think those episodes are 20 minutes long. And so these episodes are double the length. And so there will be, I think there was one little crucial bit of plot, which I think I missed because I was writing something down. And I was very confused for like four episodes. <laughs> and then I had to go back and watch the episode where I missed the bits. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, give me yes. Um, Up front, please bear with us. Please bear with us. I mean, the thing is, so I was about five episodes in and I decided that was when I was thinking, yeah, let's check this game out. I mean, I should have really done that before I started, but I kind of wanted to get the show kind of on its own terms initially. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, let's see what these characters are about. And, yet, and I got a real shock. And again, <laughs> this is the biggest game ever. This type of game really isn't my thing at all. And I was doubly surprised, as you say, to discover that all these characters, which are so kind of layered and interesting in this show, um, don't get that in the game. And I was reminded of transformers uh from the 80s where and i and things like he-man these are my reference points 80s things (laughs) (laughs) but famously they were just toys and no thought was put into the story when they designed said toys that job was left to people writing stuff on the back of the box and then the cartoon and and all this ancillary material as you mentioned so i'm not poo-pooing this in the slightest this is just the ne- this is just this generation's sort of these are our toys and these are the stories pertaining to those toys um yes they yeah, hired just, sorry. sorry just to, just to finish my thought um so when i was watching the show it really felt like the storytelling was quite flexible it really felt it didn't feel like it was trying to force it in a direction as as dictated by the story of the og content but yeah it sounds like the storytelling of the og content has always been a little bit uh fluid yes i think uh, they hired uh warhammer writer graham mcneil to sort of become the sort of story head in a way but i think that was only um about five or six years after the game had already been released so Mm. it's definitely one of those things where they've had to kind of like catch up and rethink and i think they even changed the name of the planet it's set on and all this kind of stuff to make things tie a bit together but as you say you look at the game you play the game it's almost like if you're playing a game of cards and it's just like oh i really wonder what the king of spades deal is all about (laughs) (laughs) very very much so and um but i think we said before not being so tied into established law does give does give you like a freer hand to make an interesting story i again i was reminded of uh, the mortal combat film we got in 2021 which as you know it doesn't have a tournament in it but there still has to be two and two fights you know what i mean so it very painfully i felt suddenly says right we must have now multiple fights at the end of this film because for fuck's sake it's a Mortal Kombat film <laughs> um, whereas in the original film it's a tournament structure like the game so it kind of works here I just felt all the character I thought the story was just progressing in a um, natural direction but that's not to say an obvious direction all of the time I think it's also as far as I understand it 
kind of in a prequel sort of area. So it's it's almost sort of telling the backstory mm. of the game. So while I felt like, yes, it was definitely always working towards something, it's not necessarily one of those things where it felt like the way it was, it didn't feel like it was sort of adapting an existing story. It felt like it was acting more like a prequel. And maybe it's easier for someone to watch a show like this, not knowing what ultimately these characters are meant to be, or even what the ultimately the game is meant to be, because then you're not sort of like preempting these things, perhaps. And maybe it seems more organic. It's like, I don't know, if we watched, if you hadn't watched the original Star Wars trilogy and then you watched the prequels, it'd be interesting to see just like how much mm. you sort of feel like the story is being led rather than told there's a whole bunch of people who um have been watching the book of boba fett so i won't go into deep spoilers of that at all but there is a certain sideways step halfway through that series which will confuse people who have not watched earlier disney plus um star wars shows so yeah anyway i only knew the only thing I knew about the show was a League of Legends, of course, but there there was about sisters and they have a bit of a falling out. That's all I kind of knew. But I kind of forgotten about that at the start. Yeah, I was kind of sucked in a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail when we get to the plot proper. But we have anything more to say up front? Well, I think the key thing is, and maybe part of the reason why, it caught people's attention as well is perhaps due to the animation. Uh, so mm. it was developed by a studio in France called Fortiche, whose background aside from this has been doing a lot of work with League of Legends, creating cinematics and music videos for characters. There's a music video they did called Get Jinxed, which I think introduces the character of Jinx into League of Legends. And I think the music from that also appears in the show. Um, they also did, uh, yeah, they've done sort of music videos, other projects. They did animation for a Guardians of the Galaxy spin-off show called Rocket and Groot. Um, but this seems to be their biggest project yet. And it, it does also seem to have, I guess, because of the money that League of Legends generates and maybe some of the freedom that Netflix affords in terms of show length and that sort of thing. It seems like it's had a big budget and developed over a number of years. So there is a reason why it perhaps looks and feels quite so high end because the look of it is this sort of 3D CG animation, but it's got a very painterly mm. feel to it. Um, and sometimes the sort of animation belies the look. It's like when you have very flashy cel-shaded graphics, but the character models are of themselves quite basic. But ultimately, it is one of the most kind of visually interesting animations I've ever seen. I mean, you can also point to stuff like Spider-Verse and, and that sort of thing, I suppose, is the closest yeah. parallel. I would um, love to see this yeah. on the big screen. And uh, painterly is the word. There's a little, I'm a, I don't know the species, but there's this little doctor character called Heimerdinger, though I kept wanting to call him Humdinger. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got this 
just beautiful facial hair and mustache. You just want to scrunch his face like a like a cat. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> every time I looked at him, I was like, oh my god, I, oh, you're just beautiful. And I thought, wow, we're a long way from reboots back in the '90s when it mm. came to CGI TV animation. I mean, it was almost a shame to watch it on my computer because I, I don't think my computer screen could quite give it the beautiful high def deafness of it. Mm. And I think it's it's not just in terms of like the settings and the character models and and that sort of thing. The the art style, I think, also just the animation generally is is very dynamic and fluid. And I think mm. maybe there's some wonky mouth movements every now and then, but for the most part, there's some really good like sort of facial tics and expressions. And yeah, you know, the characters do feel very alive. It's like it's obviously a show that is very much animated because it's heavily stylized. But at times I forgot I was watching an animation just because of how live a lot of the sort of performances were too. I think I noticed, obviously there's a lot of, a strength of this show is the characters and their relationships. And you need good performances to sell that stuff. And there were moments when you could see a character's eyes sort of, they're looking left, they're looking right. They're not sure you know they're, they're not sure what they're thinking and that's a performance and that sells pretty much everything about the show mm. um before we get sort of proper stuck in into the characters and maybe also our, our thoughts just to sort of flag up as is the norm for our podcast we do have to address that Riot Games has had oh, allegations. <laughs> I just know I'm not. I'm not. I mean, yes, it's true. Carry on. I didn't realize this when I suggested that we do the show because we have had a number of times where it's just like, do we talk about this show? Do we talk about this film? And then finding out, oh, it's yet another video games company which has allegations and lawsuits over a toxic workplace, including gender discrimination and sexual harassment. And even just the past sort of week or two, uh, an artist had received a copyright strike notice because they had a T-shirt on Threadless or something like that uh, of a comic book they created called Arcane Flames. And Riot kind of laid the smack down on a kind of copyright issue thing because of the use of the word arcane, which is a word that exists. Um so I think that's now been dismissed, but it's just like... So was that comic even connected to Tootleaks Legends at all? No. Oh, crikey. So, yeah. Just caveat everything that we discussed that, um, you know, whatever our thoughts are on the show, and obviously there seems to be heavily involvement with the creators of the original game upon which it's based. And this is very much expanding the lore, I would say. This isn't necessarily, as we said, like a one-to-one adaptation. This is really more like a spin-off from the game to provide you, as a player, more backstory and seeing the characters come alive in Mm. in some respects. Um, But yes, we are aware of the issues related to right games. Anything this show is about is how things aren't in black and white, are they? It's mm. Uh, mm, it's so all it's purple all, and blue. It's all purple and blue. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, 
there's all this stuff about Spotify and Joe Rogan at the moment. And it's just like, well, I don't know anything about that, but you do know that how little you've always known how little Spotify pays its artists. So I made my deal with the devil years ago. <laughs> so um hmm. anyway. Arcane. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what to go with that. Yeah, I, w- I would love to do an episode where like Everyone who worked on this project, all the hundreds, if not thousands of people which worked on something, are all flipping kosher. When I was a kid, me and my sister, we played a game where we pretended to chase monsters away. I'd say, no monster's gonna get you when I'm here. And a real monster showed up. I have to find her. The world's growing smaller every day. Up there on the surface, the topsiders are leaving the Undercity further behind. I believe I've discovered something incredible. A way to harness magic through science. You don't understand what's at stake. Power doesn't come to those who are born strongest. It comes to those who will do anything to achieve it. Imagining yourself a hero. Then what are you waiting for? may be lost. The Undercity cannot be controlled. Then we have to go in by force. What have you done with my sister? I'll give her your regards. The cycle of violence will never stop. She's too far gone. I have to try. got a good heart. Don't ever lose it. Protect the family. Are we still sisters? Nothing is ever going to change that. Um, so we're going to, I guess, talk a little bit about our reactions to it before we go deep into spoiler territory. I think I'll go first because I'm the one who's talking and I get to control this conversation to the end of the sentence. And I'm going to continue talking right now. I've run out of breath. Um, <laughs> uh, so like I am now really, really, really into this show. And I think a lot of people, oh God, it's the, it's the dreaded, you've got to wait a few episodes before it gets good. Um, I watched the first episode and then I left it a few days to watch the second. And then I think I watched, I waited a week to watch the third because the first two episodes were, were decent enough, but quite reminiscent of a lot of fantasy, fantasy shows I've seen of late, which is mm. a lot of world building. And actually the initial group of characters 
um, were very archetypal. In fact, I wrote down, why do we always get characters in groups like this? There's always like a goofball. There's always like a fat one. <laughs> There's always like a troublemaker, you know? And I was just like, oh, well, I guess this will be fun to be nine episodes with. Um, I won't say now what kind of happens, but there is kind of a, a real shift and it kind of re- makes you realize that that, sort of slow introduction was necessary and and then it just really sells everything which goes carries on from that sort of inciting moment as it were Mm. so um i would say definitely stick at it to be by by episode three you'll be pretty hooked and then by episode four you'll be like okay i'm i know where this is going and i really like this now and but like consistently, the show has great performances, great music, great visuals. Um, it just made me realize how much I watched The Witcher for Henry Cavill, by which I mean, um, <laughs> The Witcher's a fucking shit show. I mean, but I, I'm completely addicted to it because like just before you, you're thinking maybe I should do something else in my life and Henry Cavill comes on looking like a badass and he kills a monster and everything's good again but can you imagine filming the ancillary scenes of The Witcher where you're like a fucking elf talking to a human about some bollocks and you're like God, you know gosh we're in the boring are we the B plot or the C plot <laughs> this other actor's like I don't want to know what plot I'm in what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that I felt really interested in all the subplots, um, some more than others. But I think I was even my my least interesting, in, even the subplot I was the least interested in. I thought there was good work being done, and it didn't feel like filler. My only mm. caveat is that I, I re- maybe it's because I was having to watch this at a fair clip because this podcast. I really wish they were like shorter episodes because I don't know. I don't know what you'd cut. I don't know if I'd want to split them into more, more shorter episodes, but I don't know. I just perhaps don't have the patience for 40 minutes of, of dense, dense plot anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I would say definitely give it a whirl. Very happy to hear that as a season two in development. Um, I mean, might even take the best video game adaptation crown. It's kind of hard for me to say, though, because I have no super-duper connection to the show. Um, I mean, Castlevania, I, I think I've said is that that's a fantastic adaptation, but I think that went off slightly off the boil after the like second series. But so far, this seems to be a kind of... Um, it's basically showing all the other fantasy shows how it's done, because it seems like a lot of time and care and effort has been put into the story and the world and the characters and as i alluded to earlier no there's no there's no black and white the good guys have real bad sides to them the bad guys have a lot of humanity to them so yeah two thumbs up (laughs) well that's good because i think i floated the idea of us covering the show and so i guess that's why because i had already seen a bunch of it already and then i was about sort of halfway through and i thought actually i think harry would like this so maybe we should cover it and so i already had a head start and yes maybe kind of watching it in fairly quick sit session isn't the best way to do it 
Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the show and I agree. I think the first two episodes are very much scene setting and establishing the characters and the worlds and what the kind of overall deal is. Um, they're largely sort of, I'd say sort of action driven. It's very beautifully done, but it is just like street rats. I mean, kids, I'm just talking Aladdin, uh, (laughs) pardons. Uh, but it is just like a bunch of kids getting into mischief and being kind of chased around. And it's, it's done in a very, you know, slick fashion, but it is a little bit like, I guess I've sort of seen this thing before. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I've got notes here. I'm like, if I hope the show isn't all going to be like this, because, yeah, because it's it's quite. Me- you say action packed, but I thought there was a lot of slow measure stuff as well. Because the, there's the dad character Vanda, who's looking after the two girls V and, and uh, she's called Powder at the start, but she becomes known as Jinx, and you know the heavy burden of a father and all that stuff. Mm. But I I think you're right in the sense that. I guess there there hasn't been too many, and there probably is now. I'm going to bring it up, and there's millions of examples. But where it's like a sort of grown up, I I don't want to say adult animation. I'd I'd say it's you know I think at all levels of you know from tweens to uh, the what elderly. What do you call old nowadays? Boomers. <laughs> Yeah. Those, are the, those are the two levels, um, and boomers. From yeah, from boomers like to Generation cities. Z. The, the city of the city of Boomer and the <laughs> undercity of I don't people know who are struggling to buy a house because there's no money anymore. Mm. Um, yes, so I, I think it, it can appeal to uh, as all ages as is appropriate. Um, but I don't think you just kind of like see this sort of feel and vibe of show in animation much um where it, it it definitely feels like it can go toe-to-toe with your prestige sci-fi or fantasy drama series i know people bandy around game of thrones a lot but i think this has not the same kind of vibe but it, it, you can tell that there is a rich sort of world building and the way the sort of the threads are sort of maintained throughout the characters and yes you have these kind of two cities and there is weaving in between but they don't sort of interact too much apart from in sort of like you know crucial key moments um but you do get like a sort of sense of like you know this is the house of doodar and you know these are the oppressed people of whatever and yeah house doodar um but, uh, I mean, yes, you, you can't have a sci-fi or fantasy drama show without a, the meeting of the council, um, mm. of which this has several council meetings. But even the council meetings, I quite like compared to most I think, fantasy I think, council meetings. I think the difference is, is that quite frequently councils exist to to provide a barrier they're just like we need we need something we need something to get in the way of what our characters need to do but this show is about um politics it's about the relationship between the haves and haves nots and so basically the council meetings are completely intrinsic to the plots and there's Hmm. sequences where those in the literally in the shining ivory tower 
are saying, you know, we want to keep things as is. And the show kind of cleverly kind of makes you understand that. And it's about withholding tradition. And then we cut right to the Undercity where people are, are like in the streets and they're whacked out on, on um, cake, which is a made up drug. <laughs> uh, or it's actually called the Shimmer in this. But, you know, it's quite clever that a lot of these members of the council... I mean, I don't think anyone in the council is nakedly evil or in, or self-interested. I think that's quite clever, and but but you know they seem to be blind to the misery down below, and that becomes an important plot point for one of the uh, other characters. And it becomes an important lyric in the song <laughs> of the yes. opening titles. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned Imagine Dragons. Do they? Does an animated version of Imagine Dragons show up? Yeah. I thought so. <laughs> when the camera holds on the band a bit too long, and I'm like, <laughs> I bet that's Imagine Dragons. I don't know. I've never, I've never really. Yeah, I don't know what they look like either, but I was just like, yeah. And there is like a music video of them animated in the show for the main theme, which it's unfortunate that this, the released version of the main theme is not as good as the theme, as the version which appears in the show, oh. where they like really add some orchestral oomph and some. You know, yeah, big up the um, bass. I will admit, I did. I did not skip intro once because I just I dug it too much. Um, mm. What's the last? What, what's the last phrase which is shouted right as the title appears? Um, is it like "Look out for yourself"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like yeah, the, the song itself is "Enemy," and a common refrain in it is um, "Everyone wants to be my enemy." And yeah, I think another thing about this is it's just it's kind of tragic as well and it's got stakes but by which i mean well i mean i was talking about the council earlier and i mean we're not going into deep spoilers but like the big thing is that it's the opposition of two sisters and how they become opposed and how one turns effectively to the dark side and one does not it's kind of it's done in a completely understandable way and it's tragic. And I think all too often I see people be- turn bad for stupid or very contrived reasons because of the plot. Mm. And here, even as characters were just going deeper and deeper and doing bad things, you kind of understood that it was kind of out of their control. And and yeah, I mean, things <laughs> things just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> but... But yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to like survival, yes. and it's it's and what was interesting. I was when I was reading up more about the show versus the game is that in the sort of game, at least as far as I understand it, it is quite a sort of basic good versus evil thing. You have like Piltover as good, Zorn as bad, and this show kind of just adds those wrinkles of the oppressed versus the oppressors whereas Mm. it doesn't sort of maybe have that same sort of vibe in the games themselves and there's a lot of like shady deals and it's in the benefit of Piltover to keep the Undercity down and there's like smuggling of Shimmer into Piltover and there's all these kind of you know corrupt enforcers and just this sort of like way that you know as much as Piltover would like to think not they're very much intertwined with the with this undercity of Zorn. 
they're very much sort of enmeshed together. And what's what's also interesting is like until this show, it had never been like explicitly said that the characters of Vi and Jinx, who are champions in the game, were actually sisters. There are a lot yeah. of hints, but this makes it very explicit from the start. This is who they are. And again, mentioning that it's sort of like a prequel and, and things, I guess the other sort of like characters in there, um, there are some which are existing champions, such as Jason Victor and Caitlin and Echo, um, Heimerdinger, I think as well. But then there are other characters such as Vander and the sort of main, I guess, what you would call villain of the piece, Silco, is, is not from the game. Or at least it might be the case that they are versions of some other characters or something. And I'm sure this is like up to its eyes and Easter eggs, which are completely, you know, missed and such. Um, but it's just interesting that, you know, in developing this, you know, series that they've had to, as we say, like take these sketches um, and turn them into something more um, sort of deepened interesting yes yeah, so i was just looking up silco to see if he's show because uh, i'm also looking at the uh, league of legends wiki and um yeah for some reason i thought silco was a character from the game but the wiki makes it doesn't really di- dif- differentiate with game and show characters so hey hey that'll be fun <laughs> um yeah, I don't know if there's any more I kind of want to say without delving into spoilers. Um, but um, is there anything else I want to say? I get, I just, I keep coming back just to the nuance, nuance of it all. I mean, again, we, I guess we mentioned Silco. You say he's the big bad, and he's certainly introduced, like in the shadows, and he's got like a menacing red eye, and he's doing all sorts of creepy shit with a rat, um, and he's got evil henchmen. But like, he as we go on, he has got a real soft touch, and he becomes like the de facto father of one of the characters, and so yeah, he. Even the most evil drug lordy villain of it, he's doing it out of a sort of sense of duty because he's basically the kind of ruler slash carer in his own way of the Undercity. And so it's about surviving in a tough world. So, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just like, I'd recommend the show. because clearly you do not have to be in any way a League of Legends fan or know what the hell that even is um, to find some uh, value from Arcane. Mm. Well, now now we're in the blissfully unspoiled gleaming tower world of Piltover. Let's delve down into that Undercity, shall we? Yeah, all those like dirty spoilers. <laughs> Turn. 
there's this one thing which bugged me throughout this entire fucking show though <laughs> um, <laughs> now that the non-spoiled people are gone here's what i really think <laughs> it's like a lot of the plot is revolving around um this blue gemstone one of the i guess uh what do you call it hooks of this world it appears is that it exists in a world where magic can be created using technology um and it's about retrieving this gemstone where the fuck do these gemstones come from and it's like really annoys me because (laughs) i mean at the start i was writing down like are these gems is magic effectively going to be the universe's equivalent of oil or any sort of precious resource um but like we we start the show with some unrefined gems um and then later on a lot of the plot is revolving around finding this sort of perfect gemstone and you can utilize these in weaponry or all sorts of things to basically bring magic to the people but where do they come from this is something i'm sure a league of legends fan could tell us but (laughs) did it did i just miss something um if 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 you did miss something then i either missed it myself or i forgot because i watched the first episode a few months ago so Mm. i didn't go back um i i believe that people are aware of its existence and the way it's sort of framed is that we have this high medina character who is the little furry fella and um, I think they refer to him as being sort of a founder of Piltover and later yes. on they celebrate its 200th anniversary. So mm-hmm. clearly he's one though? of your... Well, so is it progress or is it progress? In the show, they keep on saying progress. But I'm just... Right. It's one of those things where suddenly someone says it one way and I think, how do I say it? Well, one of the characters, Marcus, he's um, he's a cop... Uh, and, what's, and I guess what one thing we were dancing around earlier, there is a time jump in episode four. And I love a time jump in a show like this because it's about the upstairs and the downstairs and how society progresses. So a time jump is really useful to see how things have developed. Um, we also meet Vavai and Jinx as kids and they're older. Um, but when we get to the modern day, effectively, Marcus, who was kind of like a rookie cop a few years ago he's now kind of the chief of police and he's on the take as well and i bring him up because i think he's got an australian accent and it's just that thing where you're like i guess australia exists (laughs) 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 it's just i don't know it's it's you as with anything you just go back to like the fat it's fantasy it's fantasy it's like when you see here i think the same thing in star wars where up until like I don't know, the prequels, every British person was evil. And then we started having British good guys, and I really didn't like that. I wanted all the Brits and Star Wars <laughs> to be evil. And then Daisy Ridley came along and destroyed everything. I think I brought this up ah, before. But, mm-hmm. well, let's not spoil Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but it explains... Oh, I guess Why she has something. she has a British accent. Yeah, you're born it, with an accent. I mean, the flipping clones, the clones in in the Clone Wars, all speak with a Kiwi accent, which is like, I guess, 
Why why do all the um Caminos with the long necks don't why aren't they all Kiwi accented? Anyway, we're moving. <laughs> um, well, well, basically, there's this. I think the the I mean the concept of the show and and I guess the name of the show like arcane it's about sort of arcane magic. So I think this magic has existed before, and it's maybe it's like outlawed or it can't be used. But maybe it does. I, I think he is maybe inhabited. I think that's this character of Jace, who's this sort of student who's experimenting with this Hetz technology. Um. It's like something that already exists and he's just tampering with it to try and unlock its secrets. And Jaime Medina, who is like the little fella. He's like, I was there, Gandalf. I was yeah, there. Exactly. It's a bit like, don't play with that. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I do love Jaime Medina. I want to hug him and all that stuff. I want to ruffle his head. I'm sure he'd hate it. But uh, I did write a note to say, I mean, he's... he's um, Heimerdinger is often saying to Jace and his companion, Victor, he's also an inventor and he's also um, terribly ill is Victor. And a big part of why Jace wants to progress hex tech is to help his friend Victor. But Heimerdinger is always telling him, don't do this. And they're like, but why? And then we see a flashback to some sort of awful thing happening. And Heimerdinger was like, just don't, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, why are all these smart-ass characters? Like, I mean, he reminds me of Yoda, naturally. But why do all these characters kind of allude to, to that we shouldn't do something? But if he just sat down for five minutes and said, okay, look, I'll tell you, exactly what you're doing right now caused an almost an apocalypse a few hundred years ago. And I was there. And you know what? It was bloody awful. <laughs> yeah. If it's he just sat like... down... It's a bit like, yeah, people saying, it's like, what are you doing? It's just like, oh, I'm just developing this thing called a nuclear bomb. It's like, don't do that. It's like, why not? Um, never mind. <laughs> just yeah. don't. It's just like, I'm not going to mention Hiroshima. I'm not going to mention. I'm <laughs> no, just gonna, like, it's, it's really I, bad. I think actually it's one of my triggers because I'm not so good of authority myself. And it's usually when somebody says in like a mistrunchable style, like, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm big, you're small. There's nothing you can do about it. If Miss Trunchbull had just explained why children had to go into the chokey, clearly, <laughs> it would be fine. Um, Suffocation helps with education. Yeah, honestly. But, yeah, the, the crux of the show is that this is kind of an age of enlightenment that's happening. And it's this mixing of science and magic and all done in this steampunk style thing which i still find quite appealing like the way when you have that time jump in act two and they do have this progress slash progress day um when you have the hex gates because they've used the technology they've managed to actually sort of convince that it's okay to do so and you know i was getting sort of bioshock infinite vibes i know mm. that was made after league of legends but um yeah it's just nice to have that sort of like fully realized setting um and yeah it's it's kind of fun to have that sort of idea of magic and science combining it it definitely sort of scratches some fantasy itch but the other crux as we mentioned is of course the relationship between Vi and Jinx and we're first introduced to I keep calling her Jinx it's tricky because um Jinx, she's known as Jinx in the game, 
But in when the show begins, it's Vi, it's Powder, and they've got a couple of other mates. Just trying to find their names. Um, I wrote them down because I thought they were going to be major characters throughout the entire show. Uh, then there's also Milo and Tagger. Clagor, uh, I think. Oh, something Cla- like that. Clagor? Ta- I put brackets fat. <laughs> <laughs> So I knew which ones they were. Um, but yeah, they're like a gang and they are scooting around um, the top side in Piltover. Um, and they break into Jace's apartment and steal one of those magic gems I was telling about, um, which were kind of unrefined and a bit dangerous. But right away, you get some great character work. I really liked how Powder... Well, another thing is that Powder, she's the youngest and she's always wanted to tag along and they're saying no you're you're a bit of a of a risk and she's got these gadgets which she's always trying to use and they never go off they're like little smoke grenades and things which don't do their job um i liked how when they enter jace's apartment she immediately makes a beeline for a sandwich and she scoffs it and which again conveys just how hungry she is all the time um but as the next couple of episodes develop this is why I was talking about the tragedy of it and how natural it is. Um, the, the the main moment is... Uh, J- I was just, just trying to get my ducks in a row here. Powder steals one of these gems. And then which brings the cops, the enforcers, down into the Undercity looking for said gem. Um, it gets to such a point that uh, Vi decides to sort of hand herself in but it's actually the father figure vander who i think himself was an enforcer um but he was basically the he looks after vi and powder slash jinx in the undercity but vander himself he gives himself up uh, long story short i know i've gone on a bit now um the gang decide to try and rescue vander telling powder to stay behind but powder being a little girl and this is where I think some other shows or stories like Fumble, they would make Powder seem like a real idiot for like disobeying her bigger sister and just causing a fuck up, basically. But what Powder does is that she, I think, uses... Did she use a crystal here in one of her mm. devices? She, she basically tags along in secret... And just as the gang is rescuing Vanda, she uses one of these devices, which basically ends up killing two of her, two of the gang, the um, Milo and the other one, um, botching the escape, leading basically to the death of Vanda. And I think this is what I, I kind of wrote that. Uh, Jinx's or Powder's triumphant moment, the bit where she, her technology her, the, her bomb finally works, her big triumphant moment causes such terrible devastation and you can completely understand where a distraught V, who's lost all her friends and her father figure, really kind of calls her a Jinx and that's where the name sticks and on site at the same time is Silco, who was not the literal brother of Vander, but Silco was like, like brothers in arms. Mm. And he kind of, he appears on site. He, see, I, 
And what's so interesting about Silco is that he does see an opportunity when he sees that Jinx or you know, slash Powder, who now calls herself Jinx because of what Vi called her, he sees an opportunity, of course, but because I think he notices that she has made this, these magic bombs work. But there's a moment when he says, um, you know, I understand. Let me just find it again. Um, yeah, he, he says, uh, we'll show them all. And then we see like the tearful eye of Jinx as she's being hugged by Silco. And I got literal chills. Mm. And I think there's also earlier on when, when Viley is abandoning her sister, Again, understandably, we know why Vi is distraught. She's lost everything. And because her sister didn't do what she was told, and but her sister is like going, Violet, please, please, as, as Vi is disappearing. And like the performance, it's um, the actress is Ella Purnell. Um, I think that's I, the old version of Oh, James. I do apologise. Um, but... She, the young actress really sold it as well and it just you know they stuck the landing that worked did you see me my monkey bomb finally worked you did this Saving you. I only wanted to help. I only wanted to help. I only wanted to help. I, only I told you to stay away. Please, please. I told you to stay away. No. Why did you leave me? Because you're a jinx. Do you hear me? Milo was right. No. 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 <laughs> I don't. I've kind of lost. I've kind of got so wrapped up in in telling the story that I've got. I've, I've completely kind of lost the point I was making. But that's that's the linchpin of the story, which goes forwards, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, up until that point, it's it's a sort of not by the numbers, but you sort of think you've seen this story before, and in a way, maybe you have also seen like to this sort of like rift before and sort of opposing siblings all that kind of stuff i mean look at us harry <laughs> well just another thing though i mean you, you say that and you know every story has been told before but it's giving it a few li little twists like i can't mm. think of any story where it's the younger sibling um who's the tear away because she becomes jinx when we have the time jump there's like um 
there's a, a gang called the Firelight Gang. Yeah, Firelights. They fly around on these wicked cool hoverboards and they know who Jinx is. And Jinx is effectively the enforcer, has now known as the enforcer of Silco, and she's real trouble. Um, um, what was I saying? <laughs> it's very convoluted when you have so many characters. What was I saying about Jinx? I don't know, but you were talking about right. Jinx. Um, let me just like now. Out. Now she's grown up, and I don't know. Uh, sorry, listeners, I lost my train of thought. Um, but did I have a point? <laughs> um, well, I, I think we're just you, talking you about the sort here. of the, the. I think we're just. I think we're just talking about the the Vi and Jinx and sort of the the character dynamic between them, and I think repeatedly throughout the show. You know, like oh. with the sort of time jump, you know, you you there's this huge rift, and it's it's a rift which has huge ramifications, not just like the splitting them up, but it then sets both people on paths which will have them intersect with the kind of leaders of both cities, and you know, ultimately the show comes down to the fate of these two sisters dictating the fate of these two cities you know so they're sort of diametrically opposed in that respect but also you have these moments where they do kind of finally you sort of reunite and things and it's like this this sense of you know relief of finding each other but also distrust and what has changed you know betrayal um all these kind of really complicated feelings that sort of bubble up and inside them and they quite often don't know how to deal with them uh, yes. in in those moments. Um, I think I've remembered what I was talking about because <laughs> I was talking about how um, I don't recall seeing a show with a sibling breakup where the younger is the terror and the troublemaker. And I always kind of feel like it's the other way around. It's like, don't follow in your, in your Harry's footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, I, I think that just creates a very interesting dynamic where Vi is like, she's now terribly guilt-ridden and she feels terribly responsible for what happens to Jinx. Or and and Jinx is naturally is incredibly distrusting and feels abandoned. And you know, when we meet her years later, she feels like she she's her own person and she she owns herself, but she's also got this huge harley quinn from batman energy not least because Mm -hmm. she's also a little bit uh mad and i don't know i don't know how i feel about that i I kind of had a same sort of Mm. feeling because i i thought like clearly you know the show and and how they want to do it is to pit someone who's racked with you know um Mm sort of hallucinations and she keeps talking uh to her deceased friends like regularly and you'll see like milo sort of appear yeah and brilliantly and you'll have all these like very scratchy yeah these like really scratchy doodle drawings she's you know clearly like a doodler like she decorates all her bombs and guns with all these like neon colors and that kind of stuff so having that as well be part of a sort of depiction of her mental state at different points. And I, I think it, 
yes, it is trying to do a, a Harley Quinn thing. It's trying to do like a Gollum thing in, in some respects. Um, and I, I, it's one of those things where I was just like, is this good or is this... Does she need to be mad? I think is she this... does. <laughs> I, think, I think yes. And I, th- I think it's like sensitive in terms of like, it's, it's defining her character, but because of the plot in a way, because every, like how she is feeling is so wrapped up in the story. Mm-hmm. I think where also, it's not just like he, she is quirky and pooky, but it's like, it's, it's sort of really kind of wrapped up in everything that's happening. I just don't know whether it's like, is this exploiting the idea of mental illness and making it like cool? Or is that, is it good that it, it is cool or I, I don't know I, I I'm I'm a bit sort of torn as well on on it's kind of like on, on the depiction of that I, I don't have problems with the performance and I think the characterization is really solid um I just kind of wonder about should I be liking this well I think um that the difference is is that quite often this sort of mental a character with sort of debilitating mental illness god i sound like a prick but <laughs> it's the, is the viewed sort of like a superpower and i think even harlequin uh, i mean i love the recent um birds of prey um but i think quite often looking at the world in a funny sort of for want of a better phrase so non-neo-divergent way Oh, near defense way. Sorry, I've got my terminology confused now. But you know, it's it's kind of viewed as kind of a cool thing to have. But I think in this, she is very much um, hobbled by it. I don't think I can see any part of what happens to her mentally as something which is helping her. And she's hmm. the um, gadgets she was doing before. She's just she's just very alone and very racked with trauma and. I think that I alluded earlier to how I was very confused at one point because we were first introduced to the new quote unquote improved jinx um, during like the uh, fire light gangs raid on a sort of airship. And there's a moment when a mask is ripped off one of the firelight gang and jinx sees Vi. Now, was this like her imagining Vi? Yes, it just it was just some other Something girl with, with red hair with pink or red hair, and it it's it just like triggered her in that moment because yeah. I don't think either of them know each other's respective fates yeah. at that so, time. <laughs> so I thought for like four episodes after that that Vi had been part of this gang all along because. We actually find out Vi's been in prison. Um, and I thought that, I guess, after the Firelight Gang thing happened, Vi was arrested and taken to jail. And But then, like, later on, Vi intersects with the Firelight Gang, which just so happens to be led by her childhood friend, Echo, all grown up. Um, and, like, I was waiting for them to say something like, so Vi... And Echo, you know each other, right? Because you're part of the same gang. And no, it was just Jinx is having like a bit of a breakdown. But yeah, there's so Jinx becomes this really interesting character, especially with her relationship with Silco, who she views kind of as a, a father figure now. Her actual father figure, Vanda, died. Um, 
and she's often sort of lurking in the roof of Silco's office and then Silco kind of speaks to her for a bit of feedback I guess um, she's taking minutes <laughs> <laughs> she fired on us there are always mishaps in battle the firelights were her target and most are dead it wasn't a mishap she froze up and lost her shit I could have handled those brats She's a problem, and we all know it. We? Who's we? I expect better from you than excuses. It was your job to make sure things went smoothly. You failed. Don't disappoint me again. <sighs> the world's growing smaller every day. Thanks to the Hex Gates. And now we're cut off. The topsiders are leaving us further and further behind. What happened? She already told you. I'm asking you. One of those firelight wackos was a girl. With pink hair. Mm. Your sister's gone. You know that as well as I do. I know. I know. Sisters, right? You can't live with them, can't stuff them back in the old baby maker. <laughs> Today's screw-up will set us back weeks. I'm sorry. I need to know that I can rely on you. I'm doing this for us, Jinx. All of us. The sons and daughters of Zon deserve more than their runoff. Won't happen again. I know. But yeah, she's also like, I think much to the chagrin of like Silco's other hench people, um, she does like go rogue and mm. the sort of re-inciting incident or, or whatever, like the, the thing that sort of kicks the rest of the show off is her like um uh i guess she sort of like steals, she steals another gem. steals that damn gemstone <laughs> and yeah it kills a bunch of enforcers in the process and then that becomes a sort of you know it reignites the piltover versus zorn brewing of potential conflicts between yeah. them and it's all about silco having to kind of protect Jinx and um, pressure from Piltover to, uh, I guess, stop Jinx. Yeah, it's all about that cycle of violence. Um, and, you know, as things goes on, I think uh, Jace, he starts the show as this inventor, but he ends up going on to the council as well. Um, and but then they think, oh, <laughs> yes, there's, there's so much content, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, just a slight observation we... about the council. I liked it gave me real The Weakest Link vibes when they had to vote <laughs> off Heimerdinger and all their, I like how they get lamps above their heads when uh, they had to It's their very hands up. sad because, like, so they bring Jace onto the council. He's, like, obviously, like, the poster boy for progress, slash progress. Um, 
And so they invite him onto the council because there is this potential, you know, like Heimerdinger is still down on him sort of like bringing Hetztech to the masses because it needs to be controlled because of the potential danger that it has. Um, but then, like, because Heimerdinger is... Brings, Heimerdinger brings him onto the council and, like, they manage to find an extra chair on, <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, there's an extra council member now. Um but then, like, because Heimerdinger is like getting in the way of potentially developing this Hetz core technology, which I think is a little bit different because it reacts to organic matter and could therefore help Victor with his illness. They sort of then all vote unanimously to boot Heimerdinger off the council. It's just like, how dare you make that fuzzy face upset? <laughs> it's so sad. But again, you kind of understand because he's he's kind of trying to keep things. You understand why they're so keen to advance technology, but you also understand why he's a bit worried about it. There's a line, it's not actually spoken by Hamadinger. I think it's um, spoken by one of the members of the council. She's called Mel, Mel Medarda. Um, and she is actually the one who's responsible for kind of bringing, getting Jace to where he is. She's the only one at the start of the series to say, who to sort of have a vote of confidence in Jace's abilities. Mm. But um, they, she actually starts a relationship. And I feel like she's my, as I said earlier, I think like even the characters I'm less interested in, I still really enjoyed. And Mel, I think in this season, didn't have, she didn't have so much to do. Her mum comes in later on and that gives her a bit more of a, coloring in as it were as to kind of where she is because she's been ostracized from her homeland and she's been brought to the council as kind of the representative of her homeland and then her mum shows up on the scene um but she um wants the new technology to be used um as like for weaponry Mm. now and because i think things are just people are fearing escalation between Piltover and the Undercity. Under so oh, I just feel like I've lost my train of thought again. This <laughs> is going to be... I think the the train of is, thought is just leaving the station. It's just because I'm having to, like, as I go along, explain what has happened thus far. Um, I think, I think, but yeah, I think with the uh, sort of the male character, she's sort of there, and I like her presence, I like her look, I like her mm, style. Like her character design is great. Yeah, but it's it's very much like I think until her mum shows up, you don't really get an idea of like what her dynamic is beyond just sort of looking very sort of poised and maybe giving encouraging words mm. to Jace. I sort of like it's interesting that they do sort of strike up a relationship, although it's like they're only been together for like a night, and then the next day, like Jace is sort of like lying on her lap, like sort of pathetically, almost like <laughs> sucking his thumb. It's like really yeah. like, dude. <laughs> but I guess a thing which makes her interesting, she's definitely right away, right, right away, get a sense that she's a politician. And so when they start a relationship, I definitely got a sense that she's doing it for the greater good, as it were. She's doing it to advance her career. I do think they do have a proper relationship eventually, but I think it's more calculated. Mm. Um, so, but what did you th- what did you think um, of? I guess the other light in Jace's life, and that's Victor. And it's it's a bit confusing because I'm trying to write my notes and I'm writing J and V, and it's just like, is that Jinx and Vi or is that Jason Victor? 
Oh, I wrote I write longhand. My notes are beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, I think Victor at the start. I can't remember what his position is um, in Piltover before he meets Jace because I'm not sure. I think he's just like an assistant to Heimerdinger. Mm. And so I think Heimerdinger's like, don't pursue this magic, and then Victor says, no. Let's let's do that actually. <laughs> is that you I doing a he... French accent? Is he meant, is he to, meant be to be French? French? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think the, the, the actor is British because it's Harry Lloyd who yeah. was in um, Game of Thrones and Robin Hood and Doctor Who. Okay, yeah, the, the triumphant. <laughs> the triumvirate of TV. I <laughs> know. Um, uh, I, I, I liked Victor again. He's um, he's. As I mentioned, he seems to be having your your typical TV show slash movie illness where we don't say what it is. Um, but, you know, he coughs. He's like, oh, I'm feeling really bad. <laughs> and he's got a limp. Um, and I think he sees the magic as a way to heal himself. But I think he's also... He, he wants progress. He wants the world both him and jace they want to make the world a better place and in fact uh when the lines are wrote down um when he finally decides to give up because he he ends up pursuing sort of some dark rune magic involving blood and all sorts of things eventually it vaporizes like his his assistant uh a lady called sky by mistake <laughs> And like, but like, she kind of. It wasn't like you're fired. The thing is, she gets vaporized all over the room, and then he 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 manages to collect her ashes into a little tub. So did he just spend like the entire rest of the night getting the dust buster out and like, <laughs> you know, putting the rest of Sky into that pot with my hex tech vacuum cleaner. Hex tech vacuum cleaner. But he, the dirt um, is gone. Yeah, he he's about actually. There's a very interesting moment when he's gonna like. I think kill himself. He's about to step off uh, a dam or something. And then Jace is there, and um, Victor admits to Jace that, um, and I quote, "In the pursuit of great, we fail to do good." Um, I think there's some choice dialogue in this. I think, like another line early on, Silco says, "Is um, what's." What is the truth but the story of survivors? And um, yeah, <laughs> um, but Victor himself, um, yeah, it's kind of a stock character. But again, you, I just I, there's the tragedy which permeates all of us, and I mentioned that word a few times, and I just get that from Victor. I think everyone's just sort of trapped in, like. In, in in both the micro and the macro level and um it's just it's and just I, fascinating stuff yeah i mean he definitely feels the tortured genius mold and yeah like obviously he was going to experiment on himself it was just like you know it's gonna take too long it's just like i've done it with like rats and mice or whatever it's just like oh need a human yeah, test subject no not 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 sex <laughs> um and i think yes like they do sort of mention that his illness does come from having grown up and lived in the undercity in the slums Mm. and stuff so you know that kind of ties it in together i didn't really like him though i was like i was really hoping he'd just like cough and 
die and then that would be it. But no, he sits around, sadly. I just, I don't know. I didn't really care for him well, as a character. He doesn't seem like he's going to be long for this world, is he? It was funny, those last couple of episodes. The thing is, right, so I did, I, as I said earlier, I really did enjoy the show. And um, we can't really just talk about the show scene by scene. But I think it does that thing when the last two episodes, there's just a lot of setting the table for the second season. I do think it comes to a good end for, um, I guess, especially Silco, because I mean, we've not mentioned Caitlin yet. I think we'll get to Caitlin shortly. But um, it ends in like a scene when Jinx has tied Vi and Silco to chairs and also I think Caitlin, but um, mm. they're around the sort of dinner table, effectively. It's kind of like a, a slightly less tense version of your average come down with me episode (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say like hannibal (laughs) um but it does end basically with jinx having to cite she 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 says am i going to be powder am i going to be jinx evermore and there's a bit of a scuffle and silco ends up getting killed and Despite killing um, Silco, she, I get the sense, I mean, the show doesn't explicitly say this is what's going to happen, but the show kind of ends with her kind of sitting in the Jinx chair anyway, and then basically firing a missile into the council from across the Undercity. <laughs> I did actually look, oh, I looked up the weapon she used. So as I told you, I, I looked up the game kind of halfway through watching the show and she uses a weapon called oh gosh oh it's on another screen now i'm sorry folks but it was it's, it's like a rocket launcher that's painted like, like a shark, shark. it's yeah. from the game but it it does do super duper damage and you know um it's a it's a very dramatic ending the last shot is like the missile just about to blow up into the council and you know watching it i was really caught up in the moment and i thought she's vaporized the entire council but you know the first scene of the next season is going to be like they've basically tossed the coin to say who lives who dies it's like um yeah the snap with thanos it's like Mm. um I, I'm assuming Mel is going to survive because they were just about getting her plot started and introducing like a uh, character, you know, her mother character. So I bet I guess I guess she's going to survive. I don't think Jace is going to die. It's sort of. <laughs> I hope the robot survives. The, <laughs> it's the the robot. The robot um, on the council. Yeah, but and there's that awesome lady who is bald and she has like a clockwork necklace. Yeah. Just, so fucking cool <laughs> well if she doesn't survive at least someone gets to maybe keep the necklace because maybe i mean it looks almost like an open bear trap but maybe if she get, it gets triggered by the explosion in her head just it goes all sore all of a sudden or it comes out and creates a shield and protects her head or it protects everything her body except her head <laughs> hey league of legends writers get in touch we got ideas yeah um so i, I was just bringing all that up really because there's a lot of drama i really you know again i was really enjoying the last episode but you know it's just a real shame that it's just that 
hey, it's just television. Again, the last few episodes, like, I'm having to explain to myself, this is what television is, Harry. You don't want a, a Stranger Things situation where the first season perfectly wraps up and then there's nowhere for season two to go. Um, yeah, I just, I just kind of... Things were sort of semi-wrapping up in the end of this season, but I think only the Silco stuff ends in a in a definitive way and but i'm guessing that either um silco's second in command called savannah i think mm. serving savica um she's always been side-eyeing um jinx and now i'm assuming jinx is gonna take the mantle sit in the throne of silco Possibly. It's just funny because she's kind of an agent of chaos. Um, yeah, she can't I... do basic bookkeeping. Or... <laughs> no, she can't. But, you know, Admin. Um, there's a lot of great story potential in, in that dynamic. Um, and um, I'm not sure where Vi's going to go, but I guess I'm, I'm intrigued to find out. And I, you did mention Caitlin. I mean, Caitlin is basically, she's a, a cop, an enforcer who we meet after the time jump but she also comes from like her mother is a council member so she actually she's like a quote-unquote well-bred uh yes and i think she was investing in jace's research so jace knew caitlin as a Mm. child and of course i'm I'm, again looking putting my writer's hat on i can imagine one of her mother dies in that explosion jinx sets off so that's going to cause uh, tension. <laughs> and I feel, did like Caitlin and Vi have a thing? Yeah. Um, There's definitely a lot of like flirty banter between them. And it does seem like that is what the show is leading to. I don't, it doesn't sort of fully go that far. Um, but that's clearly the direction it's wanting to to head to. And of but... course, every, every single time um, Vi and Jinx meet up as as adults or teenagers, um, Caitlin's always there walking in like an episode of EastEnders and ruining everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, Jinx sees Caitlin as not only the fact that because she's like an enforcer and therefore like oppressive scum and symbolic forces yeah and symbolic of you know by vi and caitlin even being in close proximity to each other is a betrayal of everything that jinx stands for um but yeah also it's just like she is representative of vi having moved on or not needing jinx anymore and yeah, it like you can see the hurt in her, and there are these little moments where Jinx makes like a step forward to even kind of considering forgiving Vi, and then Caitlin shows up. It's just like, ah, oh, fuck you, <laughs> have a grenade. But again, it's like this is what I'm getting at. I mean, I think there's just loads of moments where you can tell that. Jinx wants to forgive and forget, but she's just she's just I think actually there's a line where Caitlin says she's too far gone where Caitlin when we're tied to the chairs 
yeah, that dinner scene and but like for Vi she'll she'll do anything she can to rescue her sister because she feels so responsible um and yeah it just it just feels feels really authentic so uh yeah i i mean there's lots of other little bits and bobs but i think it's a show i will really I'll, when when season two is on its way, I think I will go back to the start and watch it again, cause I just I just found it really engaging, and I think I'll get even more appreciation out of it um, in those first two episodes where I know where it's going to go, and um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I've not mentioned that has that's worth talking about without like repeating myself basically (laughs) well i think it's just i think like in terms of the key scenes there's some really i I think it's like the the story and the characters is is like really good but i i I still really want to just sort of again like celebrate how the action looks because i think some of that stuff's like really very hard and I think most episodes there is at least one kind of breathtaking brawl or action sequence. And it is very brawly based, but there's like the the big Echo versus Jinx fight mm. on the bridge in right, the penultimate episode. Becomes, everything becomes 2D and it flashes mm. between that old version and young version. So it's really stylish and it does tell... A story because they're they're basically fighting like they used to as kids, mm, and mm. I feel like every feel rather than a lot of fantasy shows where the fight is just like a little bit of action which we need to get through to get to the plot. I feel here the creators used the action to not only tell a story but also giving a, like a little music video effectively. Yeah, I mean, quite a lot of it almost feels like it. The way it's edited and cut is like a trailer. Um, sometimes is what you would expect there's another i think key sequence in maybe the episode before um but it's when jace and vi team up and sort of go road to take down silco's uh like plants it's like shimmer production which sort of i guess feels maybe like how the game works because i guess you have to dispute these kind of towers again not that definitely not as a fan i was like finally we're getting some team action (laughs) (laughs) but it definitely felt like this is maybe like the show representing the game the most in that sort of segment because it's you have jace with his like hex tech powered hammer you have vi with her like atlas uh uh, yeah her gauntlets um and they're like smashing up the kind of um shimmer production in the whole and you you have these like guards which are like shimmer powered almost i mean again i always bring up bioshock but it made me feel like maybe this is what a bioshock show could be like because you have these shimmer powered guards that look like big daddies or something lots of hip-hop and lots of (laughs) hip-hop just like bioshock um but uh yeah like that was really dynamic but then not only is it sort of representing the 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 game I, i i imagine and you do get the sense that oh i guess in the game Vi is a brawler, Caitlin is a sharpshooter, Jinx is an explosives expert, and these are like their kind of character streams. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, as you say, it sort of tells the story in in the kind of 
onslaught and the ensuing carnage. Uh, Jace kills a, a child laborer as part of the collateral damage, and that's the sort of thing that spurs him to decide to try and broker a peace with Zorn. And it's at that point that the council are meeting to give Zorn the independence it craves um, that Jinx decides to blow them all up. And yeah, I saw yeah. it again. It's just, it's just tragic. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, but just when the boy is killed, there's the last episode starts with them, him over the dead body of the child. And Vi is, is arguing, you know, she's upset, of course, but she's saying, you are just seeing what is happening all the time. Mm. And what makes Jace, what see, he seems like kind of a white bread character, but they, they actually, it's about that sort of blindness. It's about that living with your head in the clouds, not really realizing yeah. this of what is happening. Um, I mean, also, just talking, even the, there's a fight, I think, in the final episode, or it might be episode eight, where um, uh, Jinx, sorry, Vi, goes to the bar just to have a fight with Sir yeah. Venka. And that seems like a real pointless... Again, it's super cool and stylish. Um, the uh, Savinka has like a, a sort of glowing blade which comes out of like a mechanized arm powered by Shimmer. It seems like a completely pointless and extraneous extraneous fight, but that is sort of the point. They are fighting because they don't need to. They don't know what else to do. Um, so yeah, it's just. I just think this is done with with care and attention and thought. And I think I've just seen a lot, as I've mentioned before. I think I've just seen a lot of fantasy shows lately, or science fiction or genre shows, where there has to be. They feel like they have to have fights or subplots to justify the time to do that sort of quote-unquote Netflix filler to give us 45 minutes episodes and despite me saying how long the episodes were and I, I was struggling a bit I don't think there's a wasted scene in this so that's yeah to be I think everything is everything is informing character and story and i think the sort of quiet moments are as valuable as the more action-packed moments um and yeah even if you don't like necessarily a character or a, a bit that's happening chances are it still looks very pretty <laughs> and <laughs> or you know chances are the music's still nice or you know yeah. there is there is something to keep you uh interested at you know, at all levels, at different points. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, uh, you know, kind of a fan of this, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Well, I don't know if we're going to do season two because this is is quite an undertaking. It's what it's like watching several films as opposed to just one for the podcast. But um, yeah, we are certainly be watching it when it comes. In the, the meantime, until our next episode, how can people keep in touch with games and film? You can find more information about video game movies, video game TV shows, and various different spin-offs and such on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcasts, where you can also find all episodes of the show. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. So do please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. 
We're on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Games on Film Pod, where you can find out more information about upcoming video game movies and projects and all kinds of stuff too. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for Games on Film was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, I think by the next time we're together, I'll be fully um, engrossed in my free-to-play League of Legends uh, account. You're angling was... for that esports money? Yep. And Well, I hope so. <laughs> the amount of uh, skins I've bought, I'm going to need to um, <laughs> get that Win money. Win $500,000. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just see. I mean, I, I might give it a go. I went to the website. It seemed free to play. But like I said, it's just, um, again, I just, I'm amazed and I'm really impressed. And this is kind of why we do the show, I suppose, where we encounter sort of a remediated IP <laughs> and it's created something very unique and different and just worthwhile. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, dear. If all else fails, we mentioned Netflix branching into games, and mm. they do have Hets Tech Mayhem, a League of Legends story Netflix edition, Ooh. which you can download and play, which is like a kind of side-scrolling rhythm action game where you play like an angry cat with bombs. That sounds very I much think Heimerdinger cool. is in it too. So. Okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> and like... All the actual League of Legends fans will think I'm scum for thinking (laughs) that's the best League of Legends game. Okay. Well, until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Look out for yourself. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) 